0: The Paul Kuharski Podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Nashville original since 2003. Welcome into the Paul Kuharski Podcast. I'm so happy to have you listening in during draft week, as my friends at Party Foul have deemed it and copyrighted it, Draftville. Um, I hope you're going to be out and about. I encourage you as you're out and about, if you are sampling Nashville's finest to put Yazoo brew at the top of the list, they've got uh, a beer for everybody. And I know you'll be drinking several. They are the sponsor of these podcasts, uh, have been in my corner since very early on, and I hope you'll be in their corner. Uh, I wanted to talk about some some themes that... uh, that I think are important heading into a draft for the Titans um, about how the media kind of covers and creates and covers uh, this event about how we perceive people who are rising and falling um, about previous picks the Titans need to correct um, about the work they need to do in undrafted free agency after this whole thing is over um, and so let's dive right into some of that so one of the top ideas I wanted to discuss here isn't going to thrill you but it's the truth that people need to be reminded of annually with regard to the NFL draft Mike Silver a friend of mine now with NFL Network wrote a fantastic column about this years ago I think when he was with Yahoo Sports about the way the whole draft industry works from a media standpoint you know early on and it's grown and grown and grown in the years since he wrote this column early on the media kind of sets the expectation for the draft and that media has has grown substantially, right? It used to be just Kuyper and McShea and a couple people, and now it's hundreds of people with differing degrees of credibility, but we know who the big-timers are. And they kind of set the expectations, and uh, with varying degrees of influence from NFL scouts and the scouting community and front offices and the like. But they get a... a a sketch of the skeleton of what the perception is of guys coming out of college, right? Some of it is obvious, you know, a, a tip-top quarterback, um, uh, a generational um, left tackle or pass rusher or cornerback, but most of it is not that obvious to, to all of us. Um, You know, some less than others. Uh, You know, some reporters have a a scout's eye and a scout's background. Others, myself admittedly included, do not. Um, And are more reliant on sources in such matters. But so this whole framework, this whole skeleton is built. and, And we then hang it from the hook like the skeleton you might see in a doctor's office. And then we, we try to put some, some muscle on it during the whole process, which goes from what? We're talking about, um, you know, February before the scouting combine, through the scouting combine, through what we learned from, from Pro Days and um, uh, all, all of the rigmarole visits that are reported, conversations everybody's having, with scouts but also with other analysts um and and from other people's reports and from reading and reading and reading um reports that come from people who are talking to um a wide variety of scouts with a wide variety of different uh, credibility and uh, a wide variety of opinion right um and their own analysis, you know some some of that analysis I like very much. Uh, Matt Miller, Dane Brugler. I think those guys are fantastic, but I can't tell you what their hit rate is in terms of uh, uh, accuracy of defining traits. I can't tell you what their hit rate is in terms of aligning. With John Robinson or Chris Ballard or Dave Caldwell and um, Tom Coughlin or people like that. So we build the skeleton and we put on some muscle and then the draft rolls around. And we judge teams against how they measure up to a skeleton that they had very little to nothing to do with building. It really is, if you think of it that way, a stupid game. A stupid February, March, April, at least three-month-long game. And uh, we're all guilty parties to it. The media create it. Um, You guys as big fans of the draft and the league read it and eat it up and click on mock draft after mock draft and report after report. And it's really a fantastic thing for the league that gets really three months of insatiable um, thirst from all of us for information where there's very little information actually being provided but kind of this uh, media-slash-analyst self-driven content. And then not only do we... uh, judge teams against the framework that we ourselves have created but we go so far as to grade them against it instantaneously when I was at ESPN for at least a a period of time which most of us fought we were asked to grade it immediately we were asked to grade the pick in the first very first thing we posted we were asked to grade a third round pick we might not be at all familiar with immediately within 15 minutes which would entail reading some analysts and grading how this pick looked to us based on our team's need and what analysts had written about this player before we heard from the coach, before we heard from the general manager. It's really a a preposterous cycle, if you think about it. Could I spend February, March, April trying to watch film of all the guys I thought the Titans were going to take. I could, I certainly could watch more than I do, but I think it would fail you in convincing myself that I was more of an expert than I could ever be. And so I rely on the people I know, but I, I admit, look, I talked to some scouts and some front office people off the record who I know well and respect. And they might tell you know, scout A might tell me something totally different than position coach B might tell me. Then Blake Bettingfield might tell me on this site and on the midday 180. Then Greg Cosell might say, <clears throat> then Scott McLuhan, who was a guest on midday 180 this week, might say. And so then I find, well, uh, who told me what about Jeffrey Simmons and how recently. And then it, slants me what I heard uh most convincingly and most recently and so I just think you know uh you know if you're a Mississippi State fan um or a big SEC fan and you watched a lot of Mississippi State then you've probably got a pretty good feeling about Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons and so you can you can offer a pretty good judgment as to whether you really like those guys and think they would fit into the Titans if you're a big Titans fan. And so your opinion on that's valuable. I don't know if you could judge them against a hot prospect at the same position from the Pac-12, which you probably didn't watch to the same degree, a, a conference, a, uh, a school, a player. Um and so it's all kind of a big shell game, and that's why I'm not a big draft guy. Um, and you can give me grief about it if you must, but I think there I've kind of explained um, why I think it's a bit foolhardy to go too far with it, and um, why I was going a little fast there, and the traffic slowed down pretty quickly, and I'll confess that I'm recording this piece, of this podcast very efficiently while driving. Um, It could be a little foolhardy to convince yourself you really know a lot. And even if you are the stars align and you line up with what the Titans do and let's say you you see things the way John Robinson sees things and you hit two of his first three picks and you say, look, I knew exactly what the Titans were going to do. Then we're still going to wait two or really we should wait three years to see how good that guy is and to see um, if he pans out. And as a Titans fan, you're certainly hoping he does. Um, But the odds of knowing in short order are generally slim. Though certainly with the first rounder this year, Uh, at 19 or after a trade back, this team would like to know a lot faster than that and the fans would like to know a lot faster than that. Unless, of course, it's Jeffrey Simmons who's not going to play until November or maybe gets a redshirt year because of his knee. Onward we go to a few more subjects I think it's important to hit before Draft Day arrives here in Music City. You're listening to the Paul Kuharski Podcast, brought to you by Yazoo Brew. Some of the finest beer you're going to find, not just in Tennessee, but anywhere. This is kind of the follow-up to the Combine happened a couple weeks ago. Um, and that's where doctors reassembled and saw... Montez Sweat maybe reevaluated his heart condition and got more information. They saw Rashawn Gary uh, and got updated information on his uh, shoulder condition. Those are medical rechecks that give teams more information and, uh, and may ultimately um, provide information that affects the draft status of, of those two players and of, of, of some others um, who were rechecked in Indianapolis. Um, it, it may be parsing words, but so what comes out now is that those guys and others are, uh, are sliding. Um, but I think what that leads us to believe is that uh, everybody's in their draft room right now. Um, be it electronic or old school magnet board, um, moving them, physically moving those names. Um, I think if those names were, were moved, they were moved. Um, they've been moved already. They were moved, um, early on in the meetings that go on the final round of meetings after these medical rechecks provided new information. So When the media comes out and says Gary is sliding or Sweat is sliding because of the medical recheck information, what we really mean is they've slid because of the medical recheck information. And we're just finding out about it now. Uh, There's some rumblings about it now. Um, So that's something to keep in mind. I, I think we tend to think When we find out about something, when we start to hear about something, that it's happening right now in real time. Because most of the news that we report tends to be pretty current, present tense. Um, I don't know why this bothers me as it does, but this is more um, past tense. And I think that's the case with a lot of draft information. You know, when it comes out that um, teams aren't as high on player X as we thought, that's not player X slipping so much as reporters, analysts, finding out some information from some scouts and GMs, maybe real information maybe game playing information about player X um, that uh, they want us to know for some reason or are willing to share for some reason that's uh, existed for a while Um, thinking that's existed for a while thinking that's translated to um, grades and ratings on a board That's existed for a while, Um, and it doesn't amount necessarily, and I think it doesn't amount a good share of the time to a guy rising or falling, so much as it amounts to us learning about his positioning against what we believed to be his positioning, um, or what we believed to be his original positioning, or in some cases, what his original positioning would have been. Um, And maybe that's not an important distinction. It feels like an important distinction to me So as the Titans go into a draft you think a little bit about who they're looking to replace, right? Uh, They're depth guys that need to be replaced and that's part of the reason I'm against any kind of trade up after a four-pick draft that only put three guys on the roster they need to fill out some depth and replace some bottom-of-the-roster guys with uh, with players who are a, a notch better. Um, but you look at guys they're trying to upgrade on or or replace. You know, there's no clear-cut right guard that they're trying to replace. I mean, Josh Klein's gone. That's the guy they're trying to replace at right guard. Uh, that outside linebacker, they're trying to replace Derek Morgan, who was a first round draft pick and had a reasonably good career, nine years. They're trying to replace Brian Arakpo, who was a pretty good free agent signing who's retired, um, you know, and so they failed with Kevin Dodd, who was a first pick of the second round, who, um, you know, in, in what's looking like a, <clears throat> a terrible second round where they had three picks. Um and and he obviously busted. So there's a hole that they shouldn't have that they're trying to fill. Um you know, I'd say they're trying to upgrade on Taewon Taylor and let him a third round pick fall more into a role befitting him. They're trying to upgrade on a on a fifth round pick, Tajay Sharp, which isn't really a bad guy to want to, <clears throat> excuse me, a bad guy to want or need to upgrade on or replace. He's a fifth-round pick going into his fourth year. You know, if that guy turns into a second-contract player, it's a real bonus. Um, so there's no crime in getting three or four years out of Tajay Sharp, and that being it, um, that one I don't feel particularly bad about. Uh, You may know where I'm heading here. Austin Johnson did nothing last year. That's a second-round pick. He's going into his fourth year. That should be a guy who's on the verge of an extension. And instead, he's a guy that I think could very well be replaced in the starting lineup by a first-round draft pick. Uh, Or if not a first-round draft pick, a draft pick. But, I mean, um, a lot of these draft candidates, these defensive line draft candidates, would be Austin Johnson. You know, uh, Jeffrey Simmons. You'd have to wait on his ACL uh, to heal. But he'd be a huge upgrade over Austin Johnson, um, who Mike Vrabel repeatedly defended publicly last year but who didn't sniff the quarterback with any regularity showed no fire wasn't the least bit fearsome um and just looked like a guy who was almost disinterested to me I'm sure he's not disinterested but the way he played struck me as as almost disinterested so um I I just, to me, he's a guy I circle on the roster that I'm really dissatisfied with. I really need to see an upgrade there. I know the Titans talk about um, the guys on the defensive line outside of Casey, which in a a, a starting base uh, are Johnson and Daquan Jones, who also wasn't very good. But who's got $7 million guaranteed in a unreasonably structured contract? Those guys, um, <clears throat> you know, they talk consistently about how they have to sort through play action. Um, and and it's a difficult thing to do. And they can't be expected to get to the quarterback and produce the kind of sacks that I'm looking for. And Vrabel jokes with me about my expectations for them and how I'm so sack-centric. Uh, And I joked back with him that uh, there are plenty of plays on first and second down that aren't play action um, where it's perfectly fine for those guys to go and touch the quarterback. Just touch him. Touch him. See what happens if you go touch the quarterback on those plays. I think there are a lot of defensive linemen in this draft who could conceivably go touch the quarterback on first and second down and even earn the right to be on the field. Um... in in that uh, nickel package as one of the four linemen, four functional linemen um, with Jarrell Casey and two outside linebackers who are up on the line um, chasing the quarterback where there's maybe not some play action to have to sift through as if it's rocket Scientology. Um, So those are course corrections that you have to make when you're fixing a pick. Like Austin Johnson, who really makes that second-round uh, bounty from the Marcus from it was, I call it the Marcus Mariota trade, um, from the the trade with the uh, Rams, uh, because the Titans had Marcus Mariota and didn't need that uh, high pick, um, number one pick, they could trade back and the package that they got wound up being Jack Conklin, who's a big question mark, Derek Henry, um, who's a question mark. He played a great quarter of the season, but uh, those three quarters of the season have a lot of weight. Kevin Dodd, who's out of the league, Austin Johnson, who I'm looking for them to replace, and I'm pretty sure they're looking to upgrade on, Um, and then some smaller bits and pieces. So the Titans finished last season with several players on their roster who I am not certain would have been on another NFL roster if uh, they were free to have been signed by other people. Matt Dickerson, uh, Aaron Stinney, Darius Kilgo. Um, The first two of those guys, undrafted rookie free agents that the Titans kept on their roster out of camp. Uh, not often active, uh, hardly played. Kilgo was a bottom of the defensive line group guy. He played some, um, but these are not very good players. It's nothing personal against them. Stating stating facts. Um, the Titans had a thin draft last year, four-man draft, um, with only three guys making the roster. Once they cut Luke Falk. Um, who they wanted to get on their practice squad, but who got picked up by the Miami Dolphins. This is a big reason why the Titans need a big draft class this year. Currently they have six picks. Uh, I wouldn't object to a trade down. That's not a a predetermined decision they're going to make. It's going to be made on who's available for them. But you would think with later round draft picks, they would be able to get guys who are more coveted by other teams in the league um, than, than players like Dickerson and Stinney and Kilgo. Um, and, and that's what I, I want to see. Um, they need to do better with undrafted rookie free agents Here's a preview of something I'll write on Sunday that I've talked to John Robinson about. But they've now shelled out giant contracts to Malcolm Butler, who was an undrafted rookie free agent and gave the New England Patriots four good years, and to Adam Humphreys, who was an undrafted rookie free agent, a tryout player who had to earn undrafted rookie free agent status, he had to earn that contract from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, from the and then got a big contract from the Titans this offseason. Um, John Robinson, familiar with both of those guys from having been with those organizations, he, he needs to now find those guys with the Titans and get those first contracts, get those first four years out of a Butler and out of a Humphreys at bargain basement prices before it's time to sign a Butler or Humphreys to a second contract. And uh, with apologies to Matt Dickerson and Aaron Stinney, uh, based on first-year contribution, I don't think I'm alone in looking at them and wondering if they're NFL players um, and hardly seeing Guys who are going to turn into Malcolm Butler's and Adam Humphreys at their respective positions. Um, they look like practice squad guys with a chance to develop, who instead were occupying roster spots on the 53. Um, so I, I think the Titans with later round draft picks can um, do more to enhance their their roster and enhance their depth and maybe. Conceivably, kick guys like Dickerson and Stinney uh, down to the practice squad, or at least put them in super competitive situations. Replace a guy with more experience. I think Kilgo is going into his fourth year. Replace a guy like that with a, with a better player. Um, you know, uh, or I don't know what happened with Brent Urban uh, upon his visit. Maybe they had him in, and will be ready to sign him based on what they don't get in the draft if it doesn't fall the way that they want it to. But um, it's time for John Robinson to start finding some of his own undrafted gems. Um, a, a guy who four years from now, another team's going to be salivating over and wanting to sign at a price the Titans don't think they can match the way New England didn't want to pay Malcolm Butler what the Titans did the way Tampa Bay couldn't pay Adam Humphreys, what the Titans did. Um, That's the spot you want to be in. Uh, Not that the Titans shouldn't have gone out and gotten those guys, but uh, maybe you're getting those guys and combining them with your own guys who, uh, you know, are more like those guys were four years before you sign them to their big contract. Um, That's what I've got for you pre-draft. I hope uh, walking you through those things made for an interesting commute or workout. Look forward to seeing you at paulkuharski.com throughout the draft. Um, I know it's going to be a lot of fun for a lot of you who are in town um, and checking out Broadway um, and uh, the Nissan Stadium campus. And I hope you have a blast out there Uh, For the vast majority of it, I will be bunkered down in Metro Center uh, where the Titans facility is because that's where the decision makers are. And uh, like for every draft before it, I want to be where they are. And so um, I'll be hearing from John Robinson and Mike Vrabel um, after big decisions are made and asking questions. uh, We'll meet the first round pick likely um, Friday afternoon. And um, and we'll take it from there. So stay tuned to paulkuharski.com. Lots of reaction and analysis. And um, we look forward to seeing you there. Thanks to Yazoo Brew for uh, sponsoring this and all our podcasts. Please consider them when you saddle up to the bar in the coming days. The Paul Kiharski Podcast is a joint production of PaulKowalski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L Now.com.